Hey gang, it's Turner here with your off-week content for the Gimme the Loot podcast. The Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition actual play podcast that despite the number of feed episodes coming out is not about foot stuff. If you're into foot stuff, good for you, but we're actually talking about character customization rules in 5e. So we'll be back on this week with yet another DM splaining as we work through the holiday schedule. We're covering conditions this week, so if you want to hear what the difference between restrained and grappled and paralyzed and asleep are in the terms of 5th edition, be sure to join us at 7.30 Central Thursday night at the streaming links below. As always, off-week content is audio pulled from our live stream shows, so there's with significantly less edits. So the audio quality will be, will be a little bit different. So there'll be a little bit more over-talking, pauses, ums, ahs, the occasional visual reference or reference to comments in the chat. So just bear with us because we do think there's still some great information in these episodes, whether you're an experienced player or a new player. You'll hear a reference in this episode to our Join the Party session that we recently recorded. That's for our top-level Patreon supporters. They get to play a session with us once a quarter. If you'd like to see what other benefits you can get from supporting the Party of Five, head over to patreon.com forward slash GMDLcast. And be sure to hit us up on all the socials at GMDLcast to get that updated streaming schedule when we release it in January. So cool. That'll do it for this week. As a reminder, any content produced by the Gimme to Loot crew is not family-friendly content due to a mix of crude humor, profanity, outdated references, and gore. Thanks, and hope you enjoy the rebroadcast of the show. See, when Jazz isn't here to bop his head for me to interrupt, I don't know when to stop the intro video. <laughs> no, that's, that's a weird cut. Hey, everybody. It's uh, the Gimme the Loot podcast. Uh, a little bit of a change in our standard schedule. As we, uh, as we mentioned last week, we are well into the start of our holiday schedule um, as we get into November and December. So things are going to change up here and there. This week would normally be a parties of five week, but instead we are coming back at you with another DM splaining, picking up where we left left off uh, with feats part deuce uh, where we're going to be talking a little bit about the feats uh, and if we have time to get them into racial feats we're going to cut this one at a hard 60 minutes because right after this we are going into our uh, very first join the party session for our baba level patrons uh, matt dave and lee gary will be joining us to play a canonical one shot within the world of arnosia uh, with the cast members of the party of five for being kind of our top level supporters uh, basically they were given the choice of hey you guys can play a non-canonical one shot with the uh, with the the you know with Todd and Baba and and the cast and crew, or you can uh, choose to pick a canonical one shot. But that means uh, everybody's going to kind of play one off characters, and how well they do will directly impact the world that the Party of Five operates in. Uh, well, if they succeed, it means uh, possibly an item for the Party of Five. If they fail. Well, we'll cross that bridge when we inevitably come to it. So uh, joining me this week to talk a little bit more feats once again is... Uh, Jamie, I play Eldrin Thaneros on the Gimme the Loop podcast. And uh, as you can see, I'm so in defeat that I'm here twice in a row. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Anthony. I play Baba Tunde on the Gimme the Loop podcast. Cool, 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 cool. All right, guys. So we left off on the H's. Uh, and then we'll kind of do this like, uh, I think like last time, we'll just kind of go around the horn. Uh, so I'll start us off with Healer. Um, Healer's kind of an interesting one. It's from the player's handbook. Uh, basically, you're, uh, you're a physician. You're able to mend wounds and get your allies back into the fight. Uh, when you use your Healer's kit to stabilize a dying creature, that creature also regains one hit point. Uh, what's the difference with what's the big deal with one hit point? You might ask. Well, that's the difference between your stabilized ally being down and unconscious, or being back up and possibly able to heal themselves if they um, if they're a cleric or a paladin or a druid or an artificer or really a lot of option healing options there. Um, the second uh, bonus is as an action, you can spend one use of a healer's kit to tend a creature and restore one d six plus four hit points to it plus additional hit points equal to the creature's maximum number of hit dice, which is kind of interesting. Uh, the creature can't regain hit points from this feat again until it finishes a short or long rest. Uh, thoughts, guys? Is a healer's kit an item? 
Yeah, it's it's yes. kind of kind of like a um, like all the artisan kits where you have like the mm. wood, woodworkers tools and the it's the healer equivalent of an uh, like the alchemist set and poisoners kits um, stuff a lot not not a ton of people use um, but um, it uh, and I really think honestly the healer's kit really only gets useful when you have this feat. Yeah, I like um, it seems like if you didn't have this feat, I don't know what it would do. But, no, because you can you can actually use a healer's anyone can use a healer's kit mm-hmm. to uh, okay. stabilize someone. Right. right. So you can anyone if you're standing next to someone who's down, you can use a healer's kit to try and stabilize someone and make them not have to make death savings. Yeah, gotcha. but you don't necessarily need the healer's kit to do that, right? Uh, do you? Let's see. Healer's kit. This is a leather pouch containing bandages, salves, and splints. The kit has 10 uses. As an action, you can expend one use of the kit to stabilize a creature that has zero hit points without needing to make the medicine check. Okay, so that's different. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it gives you an automatic success on a medicine check to stabilize somebody. So that is kind of useful, but still, they're going to still be at zero hit points. They're still going to yeah. be unconscious at that point. Um, this gets them back up and running, which is, especially, you know, again, if you're, what's ironic about this is it's, I think it's most useful if you're not the party's cleric to have this yeah. so that if the healer does go down, you can bring them back up to heal themselves. Um, right. but the person who is probably most likely to take this feat, it feels like sometimes will actually be somebody who can already <laughs> cast healing magic. And if, if you're, um, if you're in a situation where you're might you're next to somebody, you may not want to expend the spell slot. Mm. You know, you you could save the spell slot, get them back up to one, and back up maybe to one. themselves. Yeah. yeah, or you know, a fighter, he, he can second win or something like he can use some of it. Like you give you have a lot more options. I, I could see a healer taking this, mm. um, and it's still being useful even though they have yeah. other abilities to heal. I think what's interesting about the way that it scales with the maximum number of hit dice i think is interesting because that you know i mean that's basically your character level so mm-hmm. that's you know for that's a maximum healing of 20 hit points on a level 10 character which isn't it's not shabby in that particular case i mean that's a decent right. a decent chunk if you want to burn your action for it i mean if you it's better than a potion of greater healing uh you know um and there's a much lower variable since the bonus healing is coming from the level at that point so so cool. So I, you know, I would put it like a B, I mean, definitely situational, but I would say B tier and, you know, definitely, uh, because it's got some, it's got some real uses. Um, you want to, you want to take heavily armored, Jamie? Sure. Uh, so heavily armored is a feat in the player's handbook. Uh, it, it, it has a prerequisite that you have to have proficiency with medium armor. Uh, it will increase your strength score by one to a max of 20. And you gain proficiency with heavy armor. So basically, you just get to upgrade your your max armor class, which is okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, Anthony, Seems what are your thoughts on this one? So I think a lot of the armored ones are um, very situational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, usually the classes who would want something like this aren't um aren't they're looking to put put get feats for other reasons mm-hmm. um i think i think where you could see some some good use of this is um the uh uh the dang it hexblade the hexblade yeah who gets proficiency with medium armor mm-hmm. not heavy but you know, the heavy armor could be uh, good for yeah. them. Uh, the extra strength score is not bad. I mean, they don't necessarily need it because they're going to rely on charisma. But yeah, know, like there's, there's, it's very situational. Um, yeah, and, and I think only really useful certain builds. I think what to me what limits it is that it requires the proficiency with medium armor. Yeah. So it's, I mean, if you're burning a feat, which is you know fairly rare and fairly valuable giving me access and I'm saying, Hey, I'm getting access to heavy armor for burning the feet. It kind of feels like you shouldn't have to have that. I mean, again, it just feels like you're basically, this is basically exactly what you said, a way for people with that medium armor proficiency to upgrade to heavy armor that narrows the window even more, I think. Um, and yeah, if you, I would like to see that be strength or decks or maybe even strength or con something that kind of gives mm-hmm. a little bit more flexibility to apply it to the build. So not, uh, I would probably go C tier with this one if I was grading mm-hmm. it. 
Um, yeah, it's super situational. I think you could definitely pull some builds around it. Like I like you could do a human wizard who by level four um, is able to wear plate armor. So yeah. you could afford it. You could you could take a, take the feat that gives you the medium armor proficiency at level one, and then yeah. get the heavy. So I, yeah, it's that's super. that's a long way to go to get there. Oh, yeah. You know, what I mean, it's just like oh god, you could you could pick up. I think you could probably pick up a uh, the war the the warlock um, one that gives you access to an invocation and get the warlock invocation lets that lets you cast mage armor at will without burning a spell mm. slot and. I mean, is that really? Depending on what your deck is, yeah, you might yeah, be. There. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're, you're pretty much right there with just one feat. So that's that again. That's where kind of the proficiency, I think, kind of makes me go. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, you want to take uh, while we're talking, or we're on heavy armor. You want to hit heavy armor, master uh, Anthony? Sure. So it it requires also proficiency with heavy armor. Uh, you can use your armor to deflect strikes that would kill others. You gain uh, the following benefits: increase your strength score again. Um, maximum of 20 while you're wearing heavy armor bludgeoning piercing and slashing damage that you take from non-magical is reduced by three it seems like a really arbitrary number right it is yeah it is, um, <laughs> is this I like, it's minus three per per hit that you take damage or is it yeah. just a max okay. yeah no it's per, it's per strike um and yeah i mean it's nice that it's bludgeoning piercing and slashing but man I if I, I almost would want I would almost rather trade that in for a die. I would, I would rather have one d six than just a three. I mean I know it's going to yeah. average out to three, but it makes me feel or mm-hmm. even maybe a one d eight. Um, make make me burn a bonus action. You know what I mean? Like there's some trade offs. I think you could you could you could tweak this to give it a little bit more functionality. But I mean it's nice. It's got the strength score. But again, you know I'd like to have the option to maybe strength or con it. Um. I, yeah, I just, and again, you've already got to have the proficiency with the heavy armor to get there. I just, I don't know, man, that, that feels woefully underpowered for the investment that you have to make to get into this thing. It it could be, uh, again, I think, again, it's situational, but like if yeah. you're fighter tank sure. and you know you're going to be provoking a lot of, like, I think this mm-hmm. scales better when you know you're going to be hitting, getting hit a lot, yeah, right? Yeah. Or you're going to be the target of a lot of attacks, right? right? Um, I, I think that's where you get use out of this. Yeah. I mean, it's got, it's got dividends at low level, right? Like if you're fighting a lot of weenies that are doing one D six damage, then yeah, it's, it, it's tantamount to a 50% damage reduction or, or you know, can even potentially negate the damage, but you, you age out of the, the benefits of this real quick, right around probably level three or four, this becomes pretty negligible. Um, Next uh, I think I think even even at those levels, like you like, because imagine I hit you twice, mm-hmm. and both of you know, and you're doing. Let's say you have a rapier one d eight, and I take six off of your two d eight. Like yeah. that's that's a lot. Depending upon how you are, and that's a, that's a level five, right? Like that's a lot. Yeah. You've you've talked me into giving it a C tier <laughs> instead of a D. <laughs> um, I, I still I still say it's a C a, a C tier with where with yeah, it's, it's still, yeah it's still really situational. I yeah. think um, by the time you'd actually want to take it, you probably taken other things or have other ways yeah. to mitigate that. Exactly. <laughs> so that brings us to inspiring leader uh, prerequisite charisma thirteen or higher. This is original player's handbook feat. Uh, you spend ten minutes inspiring your companion shoring up their resolve to fight when you do so choose up to six friendly creatures which can include yourself within 30 feet that can see or hear you and who can understand you uh, each creature can gain temporary hit points equal to your level level plus your charisma modifier uh, a creature can't gain temporary hit points from this feat again until it's finished a short or long rest um, like that it's a short rest um you know, temp temp HP. I don't think are bad. If if you're a, um, I think if you're a bard or a paladin or, or a charisma based class, this can this can get pretty beefy. Um, and this is one that almost you know, with it being your, I mean, you know, what's well, I mean again, there are certainly more impressive abilities at twentieth level. But you know, at twentieth level, you're looking at a you know potentially plus twenty six temp HP. That's not bad. You know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a time limit on how long temp HP lasts? Like, or is it just until you lose it? 
think they, they if you go if you go to sleep they go away. But okay, that's a damn that, good question. Let's let's but, go to the videotape while Anthony gives us his thoughts. Yeah, because I mean, if you were just using this when like the party is like setting off for the day or something like that, it seems like if it doesn't go away, that's cool. But if it's like you have to know when you're going to end it end up in an encounter it's less cool um because you need that 10 minutes prep time yeah and this is and it's it's also um my i, I kind of have an issue with temporary hit points mm-hmm. as a whole in the in the game just because um and in order to make it not abusable they i feel like they made it kind of weak um yeah. in the sense that you if you get temporary hit points from any other source like it goes away like it replaces <laughs> yeah they don't stack that's what kind of sucks yeah. about them yeah uh, right they, and they'd be broken if they did yeah. <laughs> like it, it's not that's i don't i i definitely understand that to be a fact but like it, it makes them just doesn't they don't feel good <laughs> a lot of the times it's just like and, and this is one i think it'd be really cool like thematically to see the paladin give like this big speech to a big army and like y'all win because everybody yeah. just has way more HP than everyone else. I think that's they uh they last until unless it unless the ability which gives the temporary HP specifically has a duration and I think like heroism, I think there's certain spells that have a duration, but for this they would last until they're depleted or until you finish a long rest. Okay. Um, which is which means they even stick through a short rest, which is kind of cool. So that's that's a that's not not too shabby um again situational cool i like it i like it as ability i mean again i think if you're a um a caster um or a charisma based class you can do some cool stuff with it but i i still have a hard problem a hard time putting this above a c tier uh c tier feet um, yeah because most of the time like like jamie said you're gonna be doing this at the beginning of the day to start your day off and just hopefully hold on to them but yeah this is uh this uh jamie take keen mind which uh is a very situational but one of my favorite feats all right uh so keen mind is a player's handbook feat uh you have a mind that can track time direction and detail with uncanny precision you gain the following benefits increase your intelligence score by one uh you always know which way is north uh, you always know the number of hours left before the next sunrise or sunset, and you can accurately recall anything you have seen or heard within the past month. This is the feat you take when you don't want to take notes. And your DM goes, well, you don't remember. Like, oh, no, no, I don't have that. I've got key mind. I remember everything I've seen for the last month. You, you have to tell me, DM. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a real shithead feat. Um, but it, it is a know-it-all kind of feat. But, uh, I, you know, it's, it's got the intelligence score. Uh, fate, actually, this is one of the fates. Uh, fate got this without the stat bonus as a secondary, ben, as, a, as a kind of a... Each pentahedron tier has a secondary and a primary benefit. This was the first secondary benefit fate got. Um, and he does, doesn't bust out with it a ton because um, it is very situational. But um, he always knows what time of day it is and which way is north, um, which would have made him probably a good guide in the swamp. You, you guys sure yeah. never, he never really volunteered that information. Yeah. <laughs> Because his, his survival score was so low. No, I know. He wouldn't have done well. He wouldn't have done well. Um, I want to give this a B tier, but man, it is super situational. What are you, what is your thoughts, guys? Uh, yeah, I just, I'm trying to think of like a really good use for it. And, and... Uh, if you're playing a spy character or a rogue, like yeah. I, I played a mass, I guess, again, I played a weird intelligence based mastermind rogue um, that I went out of the way to get this so that he could focus on forgeries um, and argue that I should have advantage on most of my forgery roles. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> it, this is a, I'm going to pester the DM with my feats feet. Um, yeah, I think it's really, I think it's a really cool uh, role playing feat, like yeah. to kind of round out your character. Yeah. As I don't have to actually be a know it all in order for yeah. my character to be a know it all. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think in that way, it's 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 a fun feat to. Pick. As much as photographic memories are overplayed in in, in fiction and TV shows over the last ten years, it's it's that feat. So yes, uh, exactly. Uh, Anthony, that brings us to lightly armored. 
Uh, you can wear light armor. It's a player's handbook feat, and you get an increase to your strength or dexterity by yeah, one. There's and your dex you proficiency with, Yeah, you get proficiency with light armor. Um, yeah. How many classes I, don't have at least light armor proficiency at this? Like, it seems like most wizards would. don't. You know, like the caster class. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, let's do light armor 5e. Uh, I'm trying to think what even is light armor in 5e. Um, T-shirt. <laughs> uh, padded leather and studded leather mm-hmm. are considered light. Um, let's see, light armor proficiencies, 5e. Uh, light armor proficiency. Classes. Uh, I think uh, you don't have. Light armor. Monks have no proficiency in armor. Yeah, artificer, barbarian, bard, cleric, druid, uh, fighter, paladin, ranger, rogue, and war classes all receive light armor proficiency. So wizard is not in there. Sorcerer is not in there. Monk is not in there. But monks also have yeah. unarmored defense. I was so going to say, I can't correct. imagine you'd want to take that instead of the unarmored defense. Yeah, uh, they don't, they wouldn't necessarily use it. Um, and we, I mean, as we've seen with wizards, ironically, warlocks, it's pretty easy for warlocks to pick up a, an invocation that can let them drop mage armor at will. Sorcerers, it's a little bit trickier. And wizards, it's a little bit trickier. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's hard for me to see this. For the trade-off, I mean, yeah, you're getting the the bonus to strength or dex, but um, unless you're really, really, really interested in wearing leather, I, I don't, I don't. I mean, if you were trying to make your leather daddy mage, you're not going to make it without this. So maybe, maybe that's what we're going for. So in that case, a a a tier if you're going for a leather daddy. But um, that'll bring us to linguist. Uh, speaking of leather, um, this is a player's handbook. Uh, you've studied languages and codes, gaining the following benefits. Uh, you increase your intelligence score by one to a maximum of 20. You pick up three languages of your choice, and you can create written ciphers. Others can't decipher a code you create unless you teach them. Um, they succeed on an intelligence check, uh, DC equal to your intelligence score plus your proficiency bonus, or they use, a, they use magic to decipher it. Um, again, you know, if you're running like an urban spy campaign, I could see how being able to having writing code, you know, would be kind of cool. Um, I'm pretty sure illusory script accomplishes the same thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, but you might be, you might be a rogue, right? True. Or, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. You might, you might be a rogue. Um, the uh, you do pick up the three languages of your choice. Um, I, again, in the right campaign setting, this is incredibly useful. In most yeah. of the campaign settings I've played, not as much. Um, yeah, I think this is one you can you can make useful as a player. Yeah. I think it's it's a yeah. it's a it's definitely a role playing feat. Like, mm-hmm. but I think it's one of those like because that's your skill set, you could probably find ways to yeah write scripts to send to people and all that kind of stuff. I think think that'd be (laughs) right. Yeah. And it's, again, it's, it's pretty cool. If you're going, like if you're, if you've leaned into the, your guy's background as having previously been like a caravan guard and you want to pick up a couple of different languages, if you're running a particularly, um, like I could see if your, your DM is into running a setting where dialects and languages are a big deal. Like you're, you're doing, again kind of a caravan or a trade oriented campaign where you're traveling around a lot having somebody who is is decent at speaking the language or can and can pop up with a surprise language every now and again is pretty useful um i specifically made it so fake could speak all languages early on so we wouldn't run into that <laughs> it's an issue. um because that's not uh i didn't particularly want that roadblock in place um all right next up is a big one lucky all right. Lucky is uh, in the player's handbook. You in, have inexplicable luck that seems to kick in at just the right moment. You have three luck points. Whenever you make an attack roll, an ability check or a saving throw, you can spend one luck point 
to roll an additional d20. You can choose to spend one of your luck points after you roll the die, but before the outcome is determined, you can choose uh, you choose which of the d20s is used for the attack roll, ability check, or saving throw. Uh, you can also spend one luck point when an attack roll is made against you, roll a d20, and then choose whether the attack uses the attacker's roll or yours. If more than one creature spends luck points to influence the outcome of a roll, the points cancel each other out, no additional dice are rolled. You regain your expended luck points when you finish a long rest. That's pretty beefy. Yeah, you know what I mean, like that's that mm. you know that's got not only the ability to kind of give yourself snap ad, snap advantage, um, but uh, yes, it's just you, Jazz. That's that's what, that's what you get for <laughs> not showing up, not, not being on the stream. No yeah. stream for you. Um, uh, <laughs> the um, not only do you give yourself basically uh, the the three advantage, but you can also effectively give your opponent disadvantage three times um very very specifically just for attack rolls um but yeah man lucky lucky's a good one um that's what yeah. um one of the stock characters i created for the gimme the party is a halfling um who halflings get to re-roll ones um with the lucky feet with the three luck points and they're a divination wizard um so they uh divination wizards roll uh portents at the beginning of the day and have a couple of extra roles that they know in advance they can sub out for other roles um and i think there's a few other abilities that kind of stack on top i think um there's uh, the chronal shift is an ability that uh you is you'll see out there a lot um is that a crying sloth emoji i don't even know what you're doing on your emoji <laughs> uh, what, is, what is going on there jazz um Cool. Uh, so yeah, that's it, it, thoughts. I mean, it's hard to say that's not a good feat. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it's it's a really good one. Like this is a, um, uh, I like when I read it for the first time. I really because I was my first character was a paladin. I was like, mm -hmm. I want to flavor this as like blessed as like mm -hmm. the gods come down and interfere. Yep. And I got a chance to do that with Bishop Goodfoot in one oh, of our. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there you so, go. Yeah, nice. I, flavored, I flavored Lucky as blessed. And nice. Just, <laughs> uh, that's going to bring us to Mage Slayer, Anthony. Mage Slayer, also a player's handbook feat. Uh, you have practiced techniques in melee combat against spellcasters, gaining the following benefits. When a creature within five feet of you casts a spell, you can use your reaction to make a melee weapon attack against that creature. When you damage a creature that is concentrating on a spell, that creature has disadvantage on saving throws to maintain its concentration. You have advantage on saving throws against spells cast by creatures within five feet of you. That's pretty good, man. It's pretty good. If you're playing yeah. a uh, like a, a like any kind of heavy supernatural witch hunter, monster hunter kind of campaign, this works. Um, you know, when we start Rangers. doing, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> when we start doing fight nights next year, uh, this is one that I could see getting selected, making its way into a lot of builds uh, for for PvP play. Um, because man, that in, in a tournament setting that gets real nasty real quick, um, against, uh, against enemy mages, they're already worried cause they're in your face. And even, I mean, even in that case, if fate would try to, uh, misty step away, you would get to take a shot at him before he got his bamf off before he disappeared in a oh, puff of, cast, yeah. yeah, of a lilac colored, mm -hmm. uh, and scented, uh, smoke. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, I like that one a lot, man. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot stacked into it. Um, very melee dependent, obviously. Um, right. but, but, um, yeah, it is, uh, it's no good for mages if you get up, get up in their face with, with this one. Um, but it's, it's also like, uh, that the second bullet that you get, like whenever you damage a creature that's mm -hmm. concentrating, I think is, is really good even for range people. Like, oh, yeah. it's like, yeah, like just being able to target because a mage sitting in the back with haste or slow cast is, mm -hmm. is deadly for everyone. <laughs> and it gives you advantage on saving throws when you're in melee range. Like they're, they're, it's, it's, so it's giving you a, an extra reaction, which I'm a big fan of stacking reactions where you can. It gives you a, it gives you the ability to disrupt the, the concentration spells, but then also tax a defensive advantage on top of that. I mean, it's, it's pretty win across the board with that. Um, again, if you're fighting a lot of, if you're not fighting a lot of casters, then don't why, why did you pick Mage Slayer? Um, but there are certain campaigns you will go, oh, like, oh, we're fighting the, uh, 
the brother, Brotherhood of Evil Wizards. Hang on, let me give me just a minute. I'll be back. Just wait till fourth level. Um, you, you guys are going to get it then. Uh, that'll bring us over to Magic Initiate, Anthony. Oh wait, who's up? Is it? It's you. It's you. Oh, it's me. Son of a bitch. Uh, okay. Uh, I, this I lose track real quick on this. Uh, ma- magic Initiate. Uh, you so you pick a class: Bard, Cleric, Druid, Sorcerer, Warlock, or Wizard. You learn two cantrips of your choice from that class's spell list. In addition, uh, you choose one first-level spell to learn from that same list. Using this feat, you can cast that spell once at its lowest level, and you must finish a long rest before you can cast it uh, Cast it this way again. Um, your spellcasting ability for each of these spells depends on the class you choose. Charisma for Bard, Sorcerer, or Warlock. Wisdom for Cleric or Druid. Intelligence for Wizard. Um I think this is a cool one. Again, this is one of the ways that I think feats can give you a little multi-class flavor or feeling mm-hmm. without actually multi-classing. Um, I will say, as I've played around with this in builds, if you're you're generally, since you can't upcast or scale up that first level spell when I'm using it, I will typically go damaging spells for the cantrip's utility spell for the first level spell. Um, because since I can't upcast the first level spell, um, it's never going to get any better, and I only get the one shot. But the cantrips do scale as you yeah. level up, so um, you know it is. It gives you a, a pretty cool. I mean, it can give you an access to, you know, and give a barbarian access to chaos. Is it? It's chaos bolt, right? Or eldritch blast? There we go. You know, you can mm-hmm. have it. Get can get anybody access to eldritch blast, which will scale up, um, whereas magic missile will just stay that first level magic missile. So um, that's generally the way that I'll I'll try and pick with it but these the, the the magic initiates are ones that when i go in and i'm doing the role play versus role play builds i i will di- dive into those pretty deep because i think you can do some get some pretty cool combos with them yeah definitely so i, I like grabbing shillelagh uh like finding classes that can make use of shillelagh pretty mm-hmm. well i like that's a druid only spell that's pretty cool just to get you a magical weapon that um that scales off your your wisdom it's, mm-hmm. i think it's a I think green flame, green, green flame blade and booming blade are ones are cantrips as well that you can pick up that combo well with melee classes to add a little extra juice into your melee strikes um, that again will scale up uh, as you level. So uh, Mm -hmm. martial adept, Jamie. All right. Martial Adept is a player's handbook feat. Uh, you have martial training that allows you to perform special combat maneuvers. You gain the following benefits. You learn two maneuvers of your choice from among those available to the Battlemaster archetype in the fighter class. If a maneuver you use requires your target to make a saving throw to resist the maneuver's effects, the saving throw DC equals 8 plus your proficiency bonus plus your strength or dex modifier, uh, depending on what you choose. And you gain one superiority die, which is a D6. This die is added to any superiority die you have from another source. This die is used to fuel your maneuvers. A superiority die is expended when you use it. You regain your expended superiority die when you finish a short or long rest. So basically, this is the fighter version of Magic Initiate for that one Mm -hmm. specific subclass. And, you know, the one die is what limits it yeah. to me. But if I would, if I was already a battle master, I might actually consider picking this up to get an extra dice. Not only to get the extra dice, and but to get extra, two more maneuvers. Extra maneuvers. Yeah. 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 So you get, you can really go a lot deeper into your subclass right away with it, even though even, and then you actually have the, the breadth of the resources to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that one D six, for anybody else seems like, and especially since you never get any more, seems like a yeah. little bit of a um, little bit of an imbalance for anybody else who does it. Um, but on the fight, but as a fighter, I could, as a battle master fighter, I could absolutely see like all of a sudden you've got a much, much deeper, um, much deeper uh, selection. So I hate, I hate you keep getting the really boring ones, Anthony. Medium <laughs> armor master. Uh, hold on. <laughs> Sorry. I was, I was, uh, is also a player handbook. You need proficiency with medium armor. Uh, mm-hmm. You have practiced moving in medium armor and gained the following abilities. Wearing medium armor doesn't impose disadvantage on your dexterity stealth checks. And when you wear medium armor, you can add three rather than two to your AC if you have a dexterity of 16 or higher. 
very targeted at rogues. This yeah. is very targeted at rogues that are trying to go from leather to any one of the medium armors. Um, honestly, the plus, the one difference in the AC and the bonus isn't the attraction for me on this. It's the lack, it's the negating the disadvantage stealth, on yeah. the stealth checks. Um, still probably not enough to make me take the feat, but an interesting... I think a more interesting application than the heavy armor master. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually like this one a bit because you can go, what is it? Um, yeah. You could go half plate here to get mm -hmm. 15 AC. And then uh, it would also allow you to get three from your decks, putting you at 18 as a rogue um and and you wouldn't get the disadvantage from having half mm -hmm. plate like i think this that feat is almost targeted at somebody who wants half plate like yeah. <laughs> it's specifically at, looking at, at a rogue plate. at a rogue that wants half plate i mean again i think the I, I yeah i think this is very much a hey man you're you want to get a little bit extra stabby and in your face you want to be a little bit tankier with your rogue sam mm. Cool. That's going to bring us to Meta Magic Adept. It, that's a Tasha's feat. Uh, you learn how to exert your will on spells to alter how they function. Uh, you get two Meta Magic options of your choice from the Sorcerer class. You can only use one Meta Magic option on a spell when you cast it, unless the option says otherwise. Uh, whenever you reach a level that grants the ability score improvement feature, you can replace one of these Meta Magic options with another one from the Sorcerer class, and you get two sorcery points to spend on Meta Magic. Uh, you regain all spent sorcery points when you finish a long rest. Um, and as opposed to the fighter one, this is a little bit more attractive, I think, for uh, for a Absolutely. caster. Um, and, and mainly because of the impact of the meta magic feats being less dependent upon the die roll. And you might actually get to do one or two, um, depending upon which ones you pick and how they expend sorcery points. So. Um, so yeah, I think I think this one is definitely a better version of what we just saw with the the um, the, uh, the 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 Marshall adept. Um, right. Cool. Right, Jamie, you want to yeah. uh, take? I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say yeah. I, I just really think this one's really strong. Like yeah. just the ability for people outside of sorcerer to have like twin spell, mm. um, uh, quicken spell. Like the, like mm. the meta magics are really strong. And there's lots of classes that aren't sorcerers who would love to have access to those. And like, yeah, to take a feat is well worth it for some of those classes. Yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting how it's not too fundamentally different from the fighter ones, but from the fighter version. But man is or from the Battlemaster version. But it, it, because of the individual um, individual options within Metamagic, way more useful way more useful mm -hmm. all right so jimmy you want to take mobile cool uh mobile is a player's handbook feat uh you're exceptionally speedy and agile you gain the following benefits your speed increases by 10 feet when you use the dash action difficult terrain does not cost you extra movement on that turn when you make a melee attack against a creature you don't provoke opportunity attacks from that creature for the rest of the turn whether you are hit or not or whether you hit or not so it's kind of like Todd's stuff yep. in a feat. <laughs> yeah, Todd has I, Todd's version is is improved um, compared to this. Um, yeah, I believe fancy footwork means nobody can attack you uh, with an opportunity attack. Let's double check that. That sounds right. Uh, no, I think it's just the person you attack. Fancy footwork. Uh, you learn how to land a strike and then slip away without reprisal. During your turn, if you make a melee attack against a creature, that creature can't make opportunity attacks against you for the rest of the turn. That is correct. Um, so this is that same the same thing as fancy footwork with a couple extra benefits. Um, the speed increase of 10 is, uh, I think, is beneficial if you're playing kind of more position, more strategic map, like more traditional D&D. Um, as opposed to what we play on the podcast, which is, and despite no matter how desperately Harlan wants to make it about counting out squares on a map, um, is not is not what we typically try to do uh, within within the the campaign episodes. Um, and uh, the dash action, not 
being able to negate difficult terrain by taking the dash action is woof, really situational on a big trade-off. And is it you're so, so you're still getting but you're still getting your extra movement on that, right? So yeah. it's you're yeah. you're negating the, the so you're still yeah, I can I can I can see that being a benefit. Um but yeah, that, you take this for the for the ten feet and the and mm-hmm. the no uh, opportunity attacks. That's what you take this for. Yeah. And the mo- when you can get value out of the difficult terrain, uh, y- you do, especially as a rogue when you can dash as a bonus mm-hmm. action. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, by just, always, yeah. Todd has used this. <laughs> he has used fancy footwork mm-hmm. better. I think that's his most frequently and artfully applied ability. <laughs> Much to my constant goddamn it, Harlan, quit counting squares. Um, <laughs> Despite how much I have to edit that out of the podcast, um, Anthony again. I hate to serve up, and even the name "Moderately I, I, Armored" I, I, is exciting. <laughs> yeah, I, I think y'all are doing this on purpose at this point. It's alphabetical. I promise. Uh, but even <laughs> "Moderately Armored," even the name sounds like fucking. It's for Stan in accounting, like "Moderately Armored Stan." Moderately Armored Stan is now an NPC. Oh, oh no. <laughs> moderately armored is a player's handbook uh feat it's a you can't uh, you have to have proficiency with light armor in order to mm-hmm. take it uh you get an increase in strength or dex by one um and you gain proficiency with medium armor and shields so th- i guess this is the the step one in the progression to for a rogue that wants to get that medium armor master feet, which man, uh, that's still, there's, that's again, that's such a significant investment when you think about what else you could drop into those slots, either stats yeah. or feats. Hard, hard for me to, to see taking that one. Um, for me, I think you, I think you take this if you're building something, um, that may be kind of squishy and you want a shield. shield I think yeah. the shield is actually the really big because like going from light armor to medium armor with shield, like is that can be a, you know, four or five AC jump yeah. right there. So I, I think that's when you take this. Yeah, shields are shields are cool, man. I like I like shields. Um, I, I you know clerics, clerics and rogues are my two favorite classes that I've two of the two classes I've played the most of. Um, I, I love all my classes equally, but, uh, clerics and rogues are probably the two that I've played the most of. Um, and man, that, yeah, I, I, the shields, the shields come in handy. And, and when you, there are some cool, it opens you up to another, like a really cool offhand magical item too. I mean, there's some really cool magical shields out there. Um, and they, they can make you even tankier. Um, that brings us to mounted combatant. Uh, you're a dangerous foe while mounted. Basically you get advantage on melee attack rolls against any unmounted creature that is smaller than your mount. Uh, you can force an attack target at your, at your mount to target you instead. Uh, and if your mount is subjected to an effect that allows it to make a dexterity saving throw to only take half damage, it instead takes no damage if it succeeds on the saving throw and only half damage if it fails. Basically giving it, giving it evasion, which is no joke. Um, that's a, that's an extremely, uh, useful, uh, feat as Todd, uh, certainly discovered during the, uh, challenge of the challenge rating runoffs, uh, where he made that hobbling, hobgoblin devastator look like an ass. Um, and, uh, uh, the, uh, you know, again, overall, I think this is kind of situational. I think you, if you're, you, you have to know going into a campaign that there's going to be a lot of mounted combat, um, Certainly, paladins um, and mounts and paladins have always been a thing. Um, it's just, I, you know, maybe because I tend to run more urban-oriented or kind of odd environment or interiors, um, mounts haven't come up a whole lot in my campaigns. I think I think it would be cool to do one um, where mount, mounted combat and mounts were more of a more of a factor, but. This almost again. This kind of seems campaign situational. Would Todd fighting on the motorcycle be mounted combat if he was riding around? Yeah, yeah. We're going to see him trying to drive that motorcycle. He's totally going to do it. Places <laughs> it won't go. You're right. I I, I, let my, I put myself in that situation. Um, but you know, 
that that has its ups and its downs too, <laughs> because uh, he's not proficient in driving that motorcycle. Um, so as he, you know, he managed to, he's not watching or listening, right? He managed to get to the point where he has expertise in both acrobatics and athletics, I think at this point, and he's going to be driving that motorcycle around all over the place. He's not proficient in vehicles, nor has he picked up expertise in uh, vehicular combat. So, hey, look, it's jazz, everybody. Uh, stop, stop, ta- stop talking bad about him. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, okay, so, uh, Jamie, that'll bring us to Observant. All right, Observant. Oh, 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 oh. I was going to say on the mountain combat things, I think um, like small creatures with like medium-sized mountains would be, mm. you, you could kind of put that in kind of any campaign without having like the cumbersome big horse. You could be a, a yeah. gnome that rides a dog or... You or, could do a gnome yeah. artificer on your little media, your media, uh, a gnome. What was the artificers that get the medium <laughs> robots? The um, yeah, uh, the battlesmith. Uh, you could do a you could do a gnome or halfling artificer on their uh, on their uh, steel combatant with mounted combat. Um, and yeah, that sounds actually kind of like a cool. Yeah, a that cool was one of the artificers thing. that uh, I was thinking about was a um, a gnome that rides like a spider. Yeah. <laughs> That, that would be really cool. I, when I did my artificer, I actually was trying to make it to where he could. And then I realized, oh, no, I've made him human to pick up the crossbow feed. Mm. But my my the little robot couldn't be big enough. So that's how it turned into a pony that was never big enough to carry him. And him always lamenting that. I, I wish just, you were bigger. Well, I wish you were smarter. Like that was that just that whole I just had the dumbest thing under my head that I know I have to do now for a character. I'm going to make me a gnome. It's going to be black with a mohawk. I'm going to have him riding a, a hog so I can do the hog rider from Castle Crashers. It's going to be a gnome barbarian. I thought you were going to do David the Gnome riding the fox. Very specific reference, Jazz. Thank you for that. I never played Castle Crashers. I'm familiar with the game. I, I, I remember seeing it. I don't think I ever actually played it. Um, but uh, the... Okay, so observant, Jamie. All right. Observant is a player's handbook feat. Uh, Quick to notice details of your environment, you gain the following benefits. Increase your intelligence or wisdom score by one. Uh, You can if you can see a creature's mouth while it is speaking a language you understand, you can interpret what it's saying (laughs) by reading its lips. Uh, You have a plus five bonus to your passive wisdom uh, perception and passive intelligence investigation scores. Yeah, I pick if you want to say I stare at his mouth. Yeah. I stare at the mouth a lot <laughs> during your campaign, um, uh, but warn everybody going in, in your at the table going into it. Um, I think this combos with our other Sherlock Holmes feat earlier, the keen mm-hmm. mind. I think if you take keen mind and observant, you can do into a lot. You know what I mean? I think I think keen mind also combos well with actor. From um, and I mean, and, and if you do the hat trick, keen mind, observant, well, and actor, yeah, you can do some. You can get some really weird, cool RP RP um, uh, uh, combos out of that, and and get the uh, get the benefit of saying, yeah, I want to uh, stare at his mouth for five minutes. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, so I think more things. Good. Uh, I was going to say, I think Saga's uh, uh, Nadal is right on with the passives. Like the passives right there is, is that's why I would take observant yeah. is to yeah. get, get that passive perception. Like, <laughs> no, I know I made it weird. The passive perception and the passive investigation are the are the real benefits. Um, but uh, I mean, mouth staring is cool too. I'm just no, it's not. No, it's absolutely <laughs> no. no. It is no. not. Don't don't do that. I made it weird for no, a reason. No. All right, okay. let's see. Let's see which of the two I, next two feats are more boring, and we'll give that one to Jazz. Jazz, you're up on Piercer. All right, Piercer. I was just going to say that now I'm concerned with the fact that he gave me the mouth staring feat as a as an ability. You don't have the mouth staring feat. You have keen mind as the. I as thought your, you gave. No, well, okay. Might right, your fucking character sheet. Um, uh, wow. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> I was like, you know, Jazz never busted out. That's why, because he's like. I keep staring at that dude's mouth. And I'm not getting any benefit out of it. Um, I've been staring at his mouth at exactly, for exactly 43 and a half, 43 and 31, 43 and 31. <laughs> you said I'm up on piercer? Yeah, piercer. All right. Uh, 
Piercer, you have achieved a penetrating precision in combat, granting you the following benefits. Uh, you increase your strength and dex by one to a maximum of 20 uh, once per turn when you hit a creature with an attack that deals piercing damage you can re-roll one of the attacks damage dice and you must new- use the new roll uh, when you score a critical hit that deals piercing damage to a creature you can roll one additional damage die when determining the extra piercing damage the target takes huh. scary yeah this is a good one man this is Tasha's yeah. one um you know, some of these, uh, some of the combat, um, I think really all of like the spearser, piercer, slasher, crusher, um, are all, all, all are a different kind of spin on this particular ability. This is yeah. a, one of the better ones. You get the stat bonus for one thing, strength or decks, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, get to reroll that damage die, which is, which is always a plus and your crits are extra critty. <laughs> That's fucking always good. You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like yeah. comboing that on top of a rogue is a, is a problem. Well, look, man, even a fighter, that, you know, they, <laughs> yeah. a fighter with a wider crit spread using a, a piercing weapon. I mean, mm. yeah, oh, I, was thinking, for real. I was thinking, I was thinking, I was thinking rapiers. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that, yeah, uh, this dualist. <laughs> there's yeah, this, the, uh, these are all, these are all pretty good. Ooh, Jesus. So go with a fighter, archery style fighter make him the champion style so he's crit fishing and then give him piercer and it's just oh yeah jesus mm-hmm. sick off mm. off to the races off yeah. to the races all right anthony poisoner all right this is from tasha's you can prepare and deliver deadly poisons gaining the following benefits when you make a damage roll you ignore resistance to poison damage you can coat a weapon in poison as a bonus action instead of an action you gain proficiency with a poisoner's kit and if, if you don't already have it within one hour, uh, with one hour of work using a poisoner's kit and expending 50 gold worth of materials, you can create a number of doses of potent poison equal to your proficiency bonus. Once applied to a weapon or a piece of ammunition, the poison retains its potency for one minute or until you hit with the weapon or ammunition. Uh, when a creature takes damage from the coated weapon or ammunition, the creature must succeed on a DC 14 con save or take 2d8 poison damage and become poisoned until the end of the next turn, of your next turn. Yeah, that's that's a no-joke poison. It's damage yes. plus the poison status, which is mm, a pretty correct. shitty status. Um, and, uh, you know, really the only... The only check on the effectiveness of this is the the fifty gold, the fifty yeah. GP investment. You know what I mean? Um, and if your DM is an asshole, or not to say this, I will tell you this is one that's really powerful. Um, but also, as a DM, I love how strong being able to mitigate how strong this is with the consequences of you being somebody who goes around poisoning people, getting you on like the guards radar real quick is like, Oh shit, he's a poison. You know what I mean? Like it just, um, Mm -hmm. there's some cool consequence RP, um, which DMs enjoy to be like, Oh yeah, we'll let you just do the extra 2d8 damage for now. I'm a little bothered with it just because of the fact that the poison status doesn't last longer than it does. Yeah, until the end of your next turn is not super long. Right, because, you know... Uh, but it's 2d8 poison damage. That's why, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, I guess that does balance it out, but it's just like the way I picture poisons working, I would have figured that they would give you less damage immediate and just like a longer time on the poison so status. Number of doses, number of doses of potent poison equal to your proficiency bonus. So what is, your proficiency bonus starts off at 2, right? Right. And then scales up to, what, 6 at the max? Yeah. So... I mean, again, this is most useful if you're using sling bullets, bolts, or arrows. And right off the rip, I can do potentially four. I can hit you with a bolt. You take 2d8 damage and you're poisoned until I can shoot you in my next round for another 2d8. And all my friends get to wail on you in between and you, your, mm-hmm. all your attacks have disadvantage in the meantime. You have disadvantage on everything. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I mean, saving throw. Like, it gets, I mean, it's. It it the the poison <clears throat> status in this particular context is the set so one of your teammates can come in and spike them with a you know they come in and grapple like any like poison somebody and, and they have disadvantage and then a grappler comes in and starts grappling them holds them down and I get just like this can this can get into a lot of nasty combos real quick so. yeah yeah I, I, as I'm listening to it like yeah I, I see it so I'll, I'll, I'll retract. 
So that'll bring us to Polar Master. I think I'm up on that one. Uh, you get the following benefits. It's a player's handbook one. Uh, when you take the attack action and attack with only a glaive, halberd, quarterstaff, or spear, you can use a bonus action to make a melee attack with the opposite end of the weapon, uh, which uses the same ability modifier as the primary attack. The weapon's damage die for this attack is a d4, and it deals bludgeoning damage. Uh, when you're wielding a glaive, halberd, pike, quarterstaff, or spear, or other creatures provoke an opportunity attack from you when they enter the reach you have with that weapon. And again, the asterisk on that is most of those weapons have a two-square, 10-foot reach. Um, not all of them. I don't think spears do. I know um, most like the like the halberds and the glaives do. Um, I don't think quarterstaffs do, right? No, no quarterstaffs so. yeah. do not. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's, I mean, that's a, for for somebody who's usually typically using a quarterstaff for a spear. It's going to be somebody that's it's not necessarily a martial class anyway. So that's a nice little extra. Haha, fuck you. Um, but uh, again, monks. Uh, you, I can definitely see monks getting some advantage out of this. Um, I know this is one that you particularly like, Anthony, and I think you. I, I, think, uh, I think it's one of the best feats in the game. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. It combos with a lot. It essentially gets you an extra attack because you look at the D4, but you're going to add your strength or dex mm -hmm. mod to that every single time. Yeah. So that's another, you know, four or five damage if that's your primary um, attacking stat. Like, it, it's just really good. Um, like I said, I combo it with um, the um, great weapon fighting um where you can reroll ones and twos so like half of the time you get to reroll that die to make sure to, to increase your chances of getting <laughs> three or a four yeah. like well, yeah it's it's really good and then you know the, again you can combo really well with some magic items like a staff of striking if you've got a staff of striking mm. with this thing you can bonus attack with that and it really again can burn like there's a couple of magical staffs that having being able to hit a second time with it you can burn charges again um, depending upon the description on the spell item and that can stack up some effects pretty pretty quickly um <laughs> All right, let's try and squeeze out a couple more of these gangs. We are going to do a hard cut right at 8.30 because we are jumping into that uh, join the party, uh, guys. So we are on, uh, let's try and go around the horn one more time here. Jamie, you want to take Resilient? Sure. Uh, resilient is from Player's Handbook. Choose one ability score, you gain the following benefits. Increase the chosen ability score by one, and you gain proficiency in saving throws using the chosen ability. Eh. <laughs> This is the I don't I don't I don't need an ASI. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is the I, I don't I don't know what to do with my with my ASI. <laughs> I can again this is one that I think if you you know you're going into a heavy casting like kind of similar to mage mage killer, mage slayer, whatever. Um if I know I'm gonna be fighting a lot of evil clerics and a lot of evil wizards a lot of a lot of hold persons if i know i'm going up against a lot of hold yeah. persons and i don't have so proficiency mm -hmm. in the wisdoms uh and, and you, i mean again you still get the plus one uh so you're splitting your asi in half um and then really potentially adding three or four to a roll uh or more for picking up the proficiency bonus um yeah uh, i mean i can uh, again if you know your campaign and your campaign seems to uh, consistently put you in a peril that you don't like if you don't have cons like who does have proficiency in con saves just barbarians uh, I, think yeah, so. I think so yeah uh, so uh, mental note more poison against the party <laughs> More poison because none of those fuckers have con saves. Fine with that. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's necessary. I mean, you've done a you've done a pretty good job of almost killing us as it is. Poison uh, enough. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And it's only been the, the the it's you guys have been on the in the first tier of the uh, of the campaign. Uh, shit gets real next year. Um, the uh, you want to take ritual caster, Jans? I suppose uh, ritual caster. I mean, don't uh, do us any favors. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, I felt like it was self-explanatory. Uh, it's got a prerequisite of intelligence or wisdom of 13 or higher. You have learned a number of spells that you can cast as rituals. These spells are written into a ritual book, which you must have in hand while casting one of them. When you choose this feat, you acquire a ritual book holding two first-level spells of your choice. 
Choosing one of the following classes, Bard, Cleric, Druid, Sorcerer, Warlock, or Wizard, you must choose your spells from that class's spell list, and the spells you choose must have the ritual tag. The class you choose must the class you choose must also have the ritual tag. The class you choose also determines your spellcasting ability for these spells. Charisma for Bard, Sorcerer, or Warlock. Wisdom for Cleric or Druid. Intelligence for Wizard. If you come across a spell in written form, such as a magical spell scroll or wizard spell book, you might be able to add it to your ritual book. The spell must be on the spell list for the class you chose. The spell's level can be no higher than half your level, rounded up, and it must have the ritual tag. The process of copying the spell into your ritual book takes two hours per spell level and costs 50 gold per spell level. The cost represents the material components you expand as you experiment with the spell to master it, as well as the findings you need to record it. Yeah, this one's kind of interesting, um, particularly for the inclusion of find familiar in the ritual tag. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, other, obviously detect magic, um, comprehend languages um, are particularly useful. Tensors, floating disc, speak with animals, identify, identify, identify yeah. you know what I mean? Like this is, again, if you're kind of building a investigator type um, character that you want the, uh, like, like if you're doing not, it's not a mastermind rogue. What's the other kind of rogue? It's kind of the detective. The inquisitive. Rogue. Inquisitive. Yeah. If you're building an inquisitive yeah. rogue, I think this is a really cool feat to take for an inquisitive rogue because you can do, you can pick up like a detect magic or an identity. Like, like you can pick up some cool stuff with it that kind of uh, flushes out your detective kit pretty well. Um, and it, you know, being able to scale up higher level i mean second level you got you get augury um locate animals or plants magic mouth silence third level uh leoman's tiny hunt phantom steed water so again i think i think this one this is one that i would like to play with that i you know specifically if i'm i would like to make an inquisitive rogue with this feat just to see what I could crank out with it over about 10 levels or so. Cause I think there's some really cool, both role playing and um, mechanical opportunities with it. So I uh, do also really like the first level's uh, ritual spell alarm, like mm-hmm. for handling to say, like, Hey, we're all going to go to sleep. Cause we really need this long rest. So it's yeah. not a bad one to have ceremony. Also, interestingly enough, you could go around and just ma- magically marrying people. So you can have a side hustle officiating with, and, and bar mitzvahs. You could do bar mitzvahs as well. Let's be honest. Coming of age is, uh, is one of the ceremonies. So, Big deal. Uh, on the weekends, I do bar mitzvahs. During the week, I investigate magical murders. Um, God, God, I want to play that character so bad. Um, Baba, uh, Anthony, close us out with Savage Attacker, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Cool. Savage Attacker's player's handbook. Uh, once per turn, when you roll damage for a melee weapon attack, you can re-roll the weapon's damage dice and use either total. Um that strong yeah <laughs> you're you're just you're guaranteed to do higher damage um yeah on that on that on that attack yep everything and it's, it's once returned it's too. once like, returned yeah no that's really, that's really 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 good and what's it's um it's it's re-roll damage rate. so if you have something that does like 2d6 uh, uh, there are some like any great swords do 2d6 yeah there's there's a couple out there that you are rolling but re-rolling both dice because it's not just yes. a single die um would, would, which is cool. uh, would it let you re-roll sneak attack damage or is that separate uh it's, nah, it's specifically the weapons damage dice mm-hmm. as written so i would mm-hmm. say no to that because rogues don't need any more help yeah i don't no. <laughs> <laughs> with that particular piece uh, so on, uh, on, so with that, fuck you, Todd, close out, uh, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up gang. Cause we're going to be oh. hopping over to a, uh, special play session with, uh, Matt, Dave and Lee Geary, our two bottle level supporters who have, who are, uh, uh going to do a uh, play session with the guys, um, in a canonical one shot, uh, that you guys will actually probably get to hear the results of pretty quickly as we get into the uh the start of baba's arc um we uh we've got all of uh moyle's arc recorded i am trying desperately to get that pushed out by the end of the year 
um, or get pretty close to getting the episodes published, which mean it will mean an extra episode or two, hopefully releasing over the holidays as I take some time off for the holidays to cram in some extra editing um, so that we can get our uh, recording sessions a little bit more current with our play sessions because it's real hard for me not to spoil shit um, as we talk about this and as we can get into some of this stuff, specifically as we talked about feats tonight that some of the guys have gotten as a byproduct or, or have gotten a homebrewed version of uh, as a result of the pentahedron uh, that I wanted to be like, yeah, that's gonna be really cool. We'll see what so-and-so does with this thing now um, that I don't, that I don't get to say. So um, uh, trying to get that a little bit tighter, um, trying to get the guest episode that somebody did almost a year ago that I am working in as a sp- particular type of sequence um, a year later. Uh, so that, so we're trying to get cram some of that stuff out, but uh, I was going to say it was a really fun uh, session. I'm really excited I know, for that one to I've, been, I've been dying to get that released, but it's got some stuff in it that couldn't really get out uh, story-wise until we we crossed a certain threshold, yeah. um, which we have just just gotten to or just gotten done with, and so now I can finally get out uh, get that out there. So um, appreciate Bob's patience with that. Um, <laughs> Bob, if you're listening, we love you. Um, so, all right, gang, that's going to do it for us. We're going to bop over to that. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We really appreciate you uh, hopping on and hearing us talk about the different feats um, and uh, Anthony telling us the right way to use them um, and then us uh, and then me being an asshole to jazz for showing up late. So, which he, to be fair, he messaged me well in advance and told me he was going to be late. Um, I just decided to be really mean to him when he got here, so that's on me. So, thanks, Every Jess. time. Every time. Um, so, gang, uh, as always... Uh, We appreciate you all joining us. Thank you for hopping on and watching it and uh, hope you enjoyed the show.